clean it up so it's already recording we are live five four three two one uh welcome everybody to our bga junior talk show um uh, want to thank everybody for getting on the uh webinar tonight um what we're going to do real quick to get to get the show started we're going to have all of our juniors introduce themselves so as you get ready to introduce yourself i'm going to have you to unmute and i want to thank all the parents all the kids for being a part of the webinar and uh, John, I'm out here in just a few minutes. I'm, I'm fighting with him to get off the PS4. So, all right. So, who wants to go first in terms of uh, introducing themselves? Let's let's meet all the juniors tonight. Come on, sir. Hi, I'm Matthew Vital. What's up, Matt? Uh, <laughs> Are you, you ready? You excited about the? Uh, I'm excited? Huh? I'm Michael Vital. Okay. <laughs> so we got Matt and Mikhail. Discussion. Come on. You had a question. All right. So, all right. Who, okay. Who's next? Great. My name is Camden Guyton. What's up, Cam? Hi. How you doing, man? Good. All right. Good to have you on the show tonight. Okay. <laughs> is this your first talk show? Is this your first podcast? Yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It won't be your last, little brother. I'll see you swinging. <laughs> That's exactly thank right. You. Exactly thank right. you. Won't be his last. So we're gonna get uh we're gonna ask our juniors uh some questions in just a few minutes. Do we have any other juniors on uh right now? I apologize. Uh my name is Chris Hubbard. My junior is on another Zoom call for Jack and Jill right now. So his name is Trent Hubbard, he's thirteen and I apologize for being in the car. He has a tournament tomorrow, and he needs a new three-wood, so I'm coming from sporting his store, so it's just been a busy day. All right, no problem. Thank you, Chris, for coming on, and hopefully he can <laughs> one of the next uh, podcasts, okay? Absolutely. If he had a choice, he would re much rather be on this call than that. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, who's next? Who's, who's uh, any, more about, any more juniors that's out there? Okay. Yes. Okay, who we got? Justin. What's your hey, name? Justin. Justin Williams, Jr. <laughs> well, how's it going, Justin? How, how old are you? Almost seven. You're almost seven? Yes, in 21 days. Oh, 21 days. Awesome, Justin. Well, it's good to have you on our, 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 our podcast tonight. Thanks for being on. All right. Who else hey, you got? I got two. My my two are over here dancing and trying to get them over here in the screen. Okay. Come on, get them in the screen, uh, Morris. Leave the they messing with the dog and dancing and everything else. There First one. Introduce yourself. I'm Gage. Gage who? Gage Gallo. Hey, hey Gage. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? How old are you, young man? I'm 13, uh, 14. I'm about to be 15. <laughs> hey, Gabe, yeah, you don't know how old you are? Hey, man, it's been a long day. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, who's next? Keegan. Okay. Um, I'm Keegan Gallo. Hey, how's it going? How old are you? I'm 16. You're 16? Yes, right. sir. Good, good. Good to have you on our podcast tonight. Thank you. All right. What other juniors we have out there so far? Can you say your name, Bubba? Uh, Kendall. Hey, Kendall. Hey, Kendall. 
How's it going? Wait. I'm one more time. Oh yes. Uh, I said, how's it going, Kendall? It's good. Good, good. Good to have you on our podcast tonight. All right, who else we got? Thank you. All right, let me let me let my uh, son introduce himself. Come on over, John, so they oh. can see you in the picture. Hey, I'm John. Thirteen. <laughs> All right. Do we have any other juniors out there? Hey, Ro. I don't think Ty's mic is on, so. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, he he'll have to. He needs to connect with audio, uh, Sean. That's all. He just got to connect with audio. I'm Zachariah Williams with my They go over the water on the green. Okay. Your name is Zach? Zachariah Williams. Zachariah. Good to have you on the webinar. How old are you, Zach? Um, four years old. Okay. And you like to play golf? Yes. Awesome. All right. Welcome to our podcast tonight. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Who else we got on? All right. Who else we got on tonight? Okay. Is that it? Is that, is that all our juniors? All right. We want to give all our juniors a hand, all our up and coming uh, college uh, for you know, possibly uh, professional golfers. We want to welcome y'all to our podcast. We got a great lineup um, tonight. We've got um, we've got Coach Coach Andy Walker, who's going to uh, talk a little bit about the state of college golf in just a few minutes. And then we've got a, a, a touring pro uh, that's going to spend some time with us tonight. Um, and so we got a great lineup uh, for tonight. We want to we want to thank all the juniors for getting on the podcast, and we just want y'all to hear some of the things that's expected from you all uh, just in case you, you're able to take that take your game to that next level where you can actually play in high school where you can actually play in college and who knows you may be able to be a, a pro one day so um, what I like to do real quick is I like to kick it over to uh, coach Andy Walker and I want Andy to spend some time on uh, time with us talking about the the state of college golf and um, Andy's also going to spend some time with us talking to us about what he sees when, 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 a lot of the, when, I, when a lot of students come to college, what are some pieces that may be missing from their game, um, you know, what he would like to see you work on as an as a, as a, as a up-and-coming junior uh, looking to play college golf. So, Coach Andy Walker, are you there? I'm here. Hey, thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. And and guys, you guys no idea how how happy I am seeing all the junior golfers on here. And you know, I mean, I started playing tournaments when I was five. And you know, when I was a little bit older, I remember watching Christian come to Phoenix with a bunch of guys and, and playing as a little young buck and, and getting his game on. And so, and now he's a you know he's a tour player and and an unbelievable young man. So you guys are going to have a treat, you know, talking to Christian as well. And and, and so proud of all you guys already. So, and I think like, I think Kendall, I think we're new Facebook friends, I yes. believe. And I'm doing right now. So, um, you know, so it, it's cool getting to see all of you guys um, live. I see your guys' golf swings and I see the posts from, you, from your guys or from your, from your parents as well. So 
I, I want you to know, first and foremost, you know, I, I'm not only just proud of you guys, I'm fans. And so, and, and we're all family here. So, so whatever I can do to help you guys out in any way, you know, possible, um, I want you guys to know that. And, and I've worked with a couple of you guys. Obviously, I've been working with John a little bit and, and, um, and, you know, worked with Matthew and, and stuff as well. And, and, and there's so much talent here. It's just, it's just, a, it's a blessing for me to be a part of. So, um, on the, on the college part of, uh, of what I want to talk about is a couple of things. Right now, things are looking a lot better than they did last time we were, I was on a call with you guys. And at that time, there was a lot of skepticism of whether we're going to play college golf or have college sports. And right now, colleges are starting to open back up. Um, athletes are starting to get back to um, a little bit of normalcy and and there's going to be provisions in place for the corona stuff hopefully there'll be some stuff in place for the rest of the stuff going on right now as well and um, but we'll know we'll, we'll see what happens there um, but you know there's going to be a lot of testing being done um, I got an email today from our AD saying um, you know, basically in, in college golf, and I think it's going to be kind of all athletics, uh, the team is only going to be as strong as the, as the weakest opponent that you play. And that means that they're going to be really testing a lot during these tournaments and making sure that if you're playing with somebody that, that is infected, you know, it's going to affect not only their team, but it's going to affect your team as well and the playing partners that they've, they've been a part of. So, but with that being said, um, it looks like they, they're, they're starting to have a plan in place of, of what's going to happen and, and some contingencies when somebody does get sick because we know it's going to happen. And, and, you know, the corona ain't going anywhere. And so, um, you know, we're gonna, it, it looks like we're learning how to, to live with it rather than try and run from it right now. And so that is a, a, a positive thing. Another thing I want to talk about a little bit is um, to the junior specifically is, is how do we build in? And obviously the, the parents, because they're going to be helping with this. I know we have some younger players and some teenagers on here as well. But um, what does a college coach want to see from a resume? And this can be a two-part answer in what do I want to physically see? And it goes into what, what Ro was talking about with um, some of the downfalls of, of what I see in some of the players. And I would say first and foremost, like I'm always going to say, is play as much tournament golf as possible. There is no substitute for tournament golf and being comfortable in the settings and surroundings that you're going to be in. And, um, and, and you know, I'm sure Christian's going to talk about some of those things and how to prepare and everything, you know, how to get to the level that he's playing at now. But I don't care if it is a local one-day tournament. I don't care if it's a regional tournament two or three days or if it's an AJGA tournament or a five-star event or, a, you know, whatever it is, international, doesn't matter. Competition is competition. And so if you're beating up on everyone, you know, locally, try and step it up and play something a little bit bigger. But there is no substitute for winning as well. And so when you can send something to a coach that you have won 15, 20, 30 golf tournaments you know, that, 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 that winning mindset is going to be something that he can see his team taking part in. And so playing as much tournament golf as possible. Now, I hear both sides of it. You know, some coaches say, I want to see the bounce back stat off of a, you know, off of a bad tournament. I ain't trying to look at no bad rounds. I don't want to see a resume with 84, you know, on there. And then say, I mean, 
I don't want to see that. I want to see the good numbers. Show me some red. Show me a bunch of 70, you know. And it doesn't mean that every, every junior golfer is going to be shooting uh, under par rounds, but it does mean that, you know, if you're shooting 74s and 75s consecutively, those are things that are going to catch a coach's eye as well. You know, shooting 81, 75, 82 ain't doing anyone any good. But if, you, if you're shooting, even if it's 73, 75, 74, 73, you know, Christian will tell you that's a tough thing to do three, four days in a row, consistently keep those scores at a certain rate and, and uh, you know, a certain thing and, and under. So um, the more red that you can post in longer tournaments is going to be better. They want to see that you've played two or three day tournaments and, and a lot of them, even some four day tournaments, because college golf, you're playing 54 holes in, uh, in two days. They do drag some out to three days, but now with COVID, our play days are going to be less. So we had 21 play days had just been cut down to eight, to the NCAA to 16. So there's two three-day tournaments that we're not going to, or those, two, those tournaments are going to turn into two-day events. So it's going to be a lot of golf being played in a very um, short amount of time. Um, two, and, and I think we talked about this last time just a little bit as well, is um, you know, I, I went, I, I'm in Orlando and I worked with, um, with John Montgomery this morning, a young brother who, who's on the BGA just because one, I want to support the young brother and I hadn't met him, but I've seen him and I know he was doing some stuff with speed and I played with Christian probably a little less than a year ago. And these dudes hit it hard, man. They, they're not going to buy the old man right now. Right. So do whatever you guys can do, especially times like this, when you're not playing as much competition, Work on the on the physical aspect of of you know of, of taking care of your body and getting ahead of it. The old school days of the fat Andy Walkers out there playing and, and stuff like that that that's over. There's no more Lee Trevino's. There's no more Fat Jacks. There's no more Craig Stadlers. You know, there's no the Jason Gores. There's no more of those guys that are out there tubby out there playing. You know, the guys are looking like Tiger. They're looking like Brooks Koepka. They're looking like Dustin Johnson. They look like Christian, right? So. During this whole offseason myself, I mean, I've lost 16 pounds. You know, I've put on some muscle. I'm trying to put on some speed just to keep up with the young guys. I want you guys to get ahead of that curve early, right? So, and especially right now that, that there's not the amount of tournaments and stuff that you guys can do. Um, you know, the kids have been home for a while doing homeschooling or whatever. It gives a good time to, um, you know, to kind of get ahead of that curve um, physically as well as mentally and emotionally and, and um you know and and the like so that's about all i really have if there's any questions from you know parents or the kids um fire away i'm here hey andy i appreciate you uh coming on the uh, podcast tonight we're going to open it up for some q a uh before we get christian on in just a few minutes uh, mm -hmm. but i think I, I think i guess one question i would have for you is do you think COVID is going to affect the amount of scholarships that colleges have due to the fact that you know, they may be missing out on some revenues from football and basketball and other sports. Do you, do you see any changes coming to the amount of scholarships? That's a great question. Um, I actually did a, tomorrow you guys kind of read Golf Week magazine um, and you can read it online or whatever because they're doing a thing about um, the, the whole uh, racism deal going on right now. And the people that know me know that I've never bit my tongue about racism in this game and and I'm a connoisseur of racism I love it I know all kinds of racism systematic 
I know golf racism, I know housing discrimination, I know it all, right? And so um, inside of, of, of all that, to answer that question, there could be, right? So I, I, with them giving players uh, an extra year of eligibility, you know, I'm losing the number two player in the, in the country because I can't bring him back because I already recruited his scholarship out. He was going to turn pro, and, and now without there being Q school, he said, well, I'm going to come back and do grad school now. And he wanted to come back, and, and I can't bring him back. So I had to send him to University of Florida, right? And they have, you know, a bigger budget where they can, they can you know, supplement that, that, that scholarship. So it could be. I mean, I'm sure that my budget is going to get cut this year for a little bit, you know, a little bit as well when, when we're going in there. So I'm already having to do stuff to, to um, cut my budget. I don't stay in it anyway, so they can cut it all they want. But um, it is a, uh, I, I do see that that could be a possibility, you know, the, the amount of scholarships. I mean, that's, that's a great question. Um, it's going to hit HBCUs really hard because they already struggle financially. And, um, you know, and, and the golf programs are already kind of on a, on, a, on a shoestring budget as it is. I think some of the, the, the power five schools and the bigger schools are going to be okay anyways. You know, they run off of billion dollar budgets. And so um, it's, uh, I, I do see that that could be a possibility. I think that the effect monetarily isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be originally. You know, I know at Lynn, every, they were, you know, uh, planning on a bunch of stuff. You know, my, my, my assistant coach, he got furloughed. A bunch of people lost some jobs in the athletic department. But now they're seeing that we're going to have one of the biggest enrollment freshman classes that we've ever had. So, you know, I, I think it all depends. It's going to be when, when there are some of those. We're really going to know what's going to happen here come October, September, October. We're going to find out when everyone floods back into school what the ramifications are going to be of, of you know, monetarily. Hey, Coach, uh, good to see you on big break too, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it, it was fun. Man, they was hating, wasn't they? Yeah, big break Ireland. That was awesome. Uh, that was giving it to them, and they couldn't stand it. Uh, <laughs> I know. I but know. that's, hey, you know what? Yes, sir. I, I, and I ain't going to lie. I said it on camera, and they never said it. But the reason they were hating is the, the reason why we're burning this shit to the ground right now. Excuse right. me, kid. But it is, you know, it, it is. I mean, that's, that's the reason. They couldn't stand a brother out there giving it to them every single day. And the producers couldn't. Wow. If you guys, if you guys saw the day that I that I got kicked off, yeah, I won that day. I won the challenge that day, and still had to go to the elimination challenge. And for the first nine shows, no one was gonna pick me in to go to the elimination challenge. They knew better than that, right? So the only way they can get me to the elimination challenge is they had to change the rules, right? In the middle. Well, of the- guess what? We finna change the rules on them right now. We taking it. That's right. Right? They're gonna give us our respect. So. Okay. Okay, questions for Andy, y'all, before we go to the next segment. Any questions for Coach Andy? Hey, Andy, I got a question for you. Uh, with with uh, with my son being ten, um, what do you what do you recommend for speed or um, starting to build his body up? Um, that, that's, bought, that's, that's... And I did buy. I bought this little home body gym, and it's all resistance bands. It could do some things, um, you know, I, I just, it was at uh, Played Against Sports about six months ago, and it was, it was reasonable, so, um, yeah. That's a, great, that's a good question. I think 10 is a little early to start 
really kind of lifting and bulking up for, for, um, for strength. I think right now is making sure that he has, you know, flexibility and mobility and, and he can be able to have some of the quick twitch muscles and, and, and he's mobile enough to, to, to build some of that speed. I, I tell everyone right now, you know, I'm old school. So what I'm trying to learn now is some of the new school methods of, of gaining speed. And, you know, I watch Gigi and all this kind of stuff and I don't know if I buy it. I mean, I think you can be fast, but, I don't know if you can play golf from there. I've seen your son's move. Man, he's about as golf as it gets. You know, that dude is a stud, right? I, I wouldn't do a whole bunch else than what he's doing now. Now I do tell everybody, I think the speed sticks are really good because you have to, you know, it makes you swing faster at him. It builds up, it builds up club head speed. And I don't know if getting arm speed or chest, you know, bigger or even legs equates always to creating club head speed. And we don't want hand speed. We don't need hip speed. We need club head speed. And so I, I'm a big proponent of the, of the speed sticks. I was a little skeptical of them um, at first until I got on them and I saw what it did to some of the players that it, it's very simple because it mimics a golf swing. It's nothing that is outside of a golf swing. And so you know, you can, you can use them and swing as fast as you can and build speed at your own pace and your own rate and use them as much as you want. So I would say at 10, you know, I, if, if anything, I'd be doing that. And then as he gets a little bit older, maybe in the 13, 14 years old, and, and Christian will probably know more about the working out part and, and building that than I did. Like I said, we're, we're old school, man. You know, I, I worked out at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, with I mean, and just to piggyback on that, so – if he's doing the speed stick and he's doing it on his right side um, to build that speed, is there anything he needs to do on his left side to kind of counterbalance that build in his back or anything? A hundred percent. And I can look at him already. His move is so good. He could probably swing just as good left-handed. So obviously do that because he's going to have to be able to open up going back and he's going to have to be able to, to separate and open up going through. And that's where the speed's going to come in. So you know, obviously you don't want to have, you're only going to be as strong as your weakest side, right? Gotcha. And so I think if he's swinging right-handed and left-handed, swing as fast as he can right-handed and turn around and swing as fast as he can left-handed. All right, Andy, our next question is from Maurice. Maurice, can you unmute real quick? Maurice, you got a question? There we go. Kendall has a question. Okay. Go ahead, Kendall. I was going to ask about mental game because I know, especially when you're playing a lot of rounds, trying to stay as consistent as possible. So what advice would you give if, like, say you're having split nines, like your front nine is really good, but then the back nine is really rough or vice versa, and the same goes for, like, uh, multiple day tournaments. They'll start off really well, and then the second day will roll around and it won't be as well. So what would you say mentally-wise when you're either playing, like, at your best or if you're not – and then trying to stay consistent as well. That, that's an unbelievably great question. That's probably why you're such a good player is because you have questions like that and you're thinking about those things. So um, competition starts well before the tournament, okay, and, and performing. So how you practice is how you're going to play and how you're going to perform. So when, when we practice, we mimic playing in tournaments with the team we're always in competitions. I don't care if guys are playing each other for, for dinner or whatever it is. 
um, we're always playing some kind of competition because I want the guys thinking and grinding because it's hard to get really good into a routine starting the first day of a tournament if you haven't practiced it, right? So we, we everyone goes out and they hit balls and they chip and they putt. And if I have a player say, coach, I'm going to go hit balls, I tell them no. I said, but if you're going to tell me you're going to go to the range and prepare to play, yeah, you can go do that. And so what that, how do we do that? We do that by focusing on the process. And, and the process is, um, is going through your bag when you're hitting shots, not just going pull, hit seven iron, pull, hit seven iron, pull, hit seven iron, because that's not mimicking play. That's not how we play this game. Once you hit that seven iron number one, you may not see that seven iron again until hole 16 or 17. Until 17. So, you know, our, our thing is to make sure that you know what your process is um, we can have a, a, a talk uh, away from this about, you know, building up a process. And, and, you know, the biggest word for me in golf and the difference between uh, a bad player and a good player, a good player and a great player is awareness. So awareness of what your process should be. And I think everyone talks about routines and pre-shot routines. I talk a lot about post-shot routines, but I don't think routines need to be the exact same. And, and I'm sure, like I said, Christian can kind of echo this. Everyone sits there and goes, your routine needs to be the same all the time, right? I, I don't think my routine with a 60-degree shot from 80 yards can be the same as my routine with my driver. That doesn't make sense for those to be the same. They're totally different swings, totally different golf clubs, totally different shots I'm trying to hit. So really be aware of what are we trying to accomplish in each shot and stick to the process of what you need to do to be successful. Don't worry about the outcome, right? The outcome is going to be irrelevant. If you stick to the process, your outcome goals are going to come, you know, besides that. So I am what I'm not a goal setter. I'm a habit maker. Okay. And if I change my habits, I'm going to reach some of the goals, but having a goal for me to lose 15 pounds has been great because I've done it for, I've had that goal for 20 years, but I didn't change my habits. I still ate bad and I didn't work out. So it wasn't, it didn't matter what my goal was. It made me feel good at the moment, but it didn't change anything. But once I changed the habits, now I started to reach a goal. So I tell my team all the time, your habits are going to come out in competition, whether you want them to or not. Hey, hey, coach, if you build good habits, yeah. whether you want them to, they're going to come out or not. Right. If you build bad habits, they're going to come out as well. So make sure when you're practicing, you are, you know, that's why it's so great. And I know I'm pretty sure you've done. It. I know Christian's done it. We've had that putt to win the U.S. Open on the green before. You can make yourself nervous. Right. You had that that putt to win whatever it is, the AJGA Girls Championship or, or the Polo or whatever it is, or the NCAA Championship and, you know, whatever it is that you have you can make yourself nervous. And when you get to that position, guess what? Your habits that you created on that putting green, the fist pump, all of that stuff is going to come back, right? right? You're going to have already be, been successful. So when you're practicing, don't just hit balls. Don't go out and just hit wedges and chip and putt. Hit golf shots that you have hit on the golf course that you know you're going to hit. Visualize, you know, play tour players all the time. The last couple of shots they hit, on the range are the shots that they're going to face on the first couple of holes, right? So they're not, they don't get to the first hole and it's the first time they've seen or addressed that golf shot. It's something they've already seen. Your mind doesn't know the difference between perception and reality. It only knows what you tell it. So I hope that answered your question. 
That was great. That was great, Coach, talking about habits can lead to your goals. I, I, I like that. I'm going to have to use that in, in the business world. No, you can't, you can't use that, man. <laughs> I'm going to give you credit three times, Coach. That's that up, Joe. Times, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Next question for Coach. Any, any more questions for Coach? Anybody? Can you hear me? Yes, we can yep. hear you. Go right ahead, Gus. So, Coach, uh, earlier, uh, before the whole COVID thing happened, you were going to have um, um, uh, this uh, camp. You were going to have a camp before that happened. But I know this whole thing happened. Do you think any, any chance that may happen this year or you think it's something probably next year? So, Gus, you're a mind reader. I I'll give you your $5 when we get off of this. <laughs> no, it's funny because you didn't even know that this was going on. But actually, myself and another coach, we're going to have a virtual golf camp. And so it's not going to be in one site because it's going to be tough. Obviously, people can't travel and, and stuff and get there. But it's going to be a virtual golf camp. We're going to have um, some tour players, some big-name tour players are going to get on there and talk to the kids as well. We're going to have some, some, some of the, the world's best instructors that work with these players on there. But we are going to go through how we practice, um, how we prepare for competition, and I, that's why I'm, I can't wait to listen to, to Christian because I'm going to get some ideas off of him as well. And, uh, and, you know, what it looks like through the recruiting process. How do you get noticed? What tournament should we be playing? What does a resume look like? You know, I, I mean, I was telling, you know, I, I think real earlier, I don't want to see six slow motion golf swings from you. No, if I see one, dude, I'm on to the next person. That is too much. I don't want, I don't have eight minutes to see, I don't, and I don't care. I want to see your golf swing in full, full real rhythm, real play rhythm. I want to see what it looks like. What does your body react? Everyone's swing looks good in slow motion, right? But golf ain't playing in slow motion. So it's, um, you know, and, and what do we put on the resume? How do, I don't really care that your grandfather, you started you playing golf and you've always wanted to be a pro golfer and you love golf and you have a dog named Jerry. I don't care. I really don't. Where are you from? What do you shoot? What tournament are you playing? Let me see your golf swing. That's all I need to know. I don't, you know, I don't need this big old long letter about, you know, my uncle. And I don't, I don't care about all that, you know. And he gave me my first club when I was seven. That's great. What did you shoot with that club? Can you get it in the hole faster than the next dude who just sent me a short email, right? So um, most of what we know is going to be in the first couple sentences. We're going to look at the numbers. And, and we're, we're going to already kind of know, you know, from the kind of the first, it's got to pass, it's got to pass the look test, you know, first and foremost. So I will share with, with, with Ro and he can probably send it out to everybody what a good resume looks like, you know, how short and concise it is and what needs to be in there. And what you're doing in a resume is you're bragging on yourself. You're selling yourself. You're telling me how good you are. You're going to make me sit there and go, man, I need to check this dude out or this, this, this girl out, whoever it is we're recruiting at the time, you know? So it's, I mean, it's, it is, it's like, go ahead and, and, you know, floss for me. Like, oh boy, in that little video before this thing, you know, he was, you know, he was swagged out. He, I mean, he challenged cast to, to play him at the end. I'll, I'll play him. What's the, he don't want no smoke. Right. But, but, at the, but, you know, on the real, it's, so, so all of these things to answer your question, guys. Yeah, we're we're gonna have a virtual camp. Um, I would love to be able to comp all of the BGA Junior Golf members on there. I can't through NCAA rules. Everyone has to pay the same deal. 
but it's not going to be a deal. It's going to be much better than the regular camp. The other camp was going to be like 700 bucks. You know, this camp's going to be like 29 bucks, right? And it's going to be like three days, three hours. It's either going to be three days, three hours, or two days, four hours a day. So, and it's going to be a little bit later in the day so the players can play. And, you know, if they have a tournament, they can still get down and, and, and we'll be able to uh, to knock out some of those some things. So thanks for asking that question now. Hey, Coach, real quick, on that virtual uh, clinic uh, over three days, um, will will the students need to be at the course or can they no. be? Okay, okay, great. No, no, it'll be, it'll be at home. And after we get done with it, the whole thing will be recorded and so they'll have access to it as well. But it's, it's basically going to be like we're going to talk one hour about, uh, like I said, college recruiting and getting noticed and all that stuff. And then there will be a Q&A. There's going to be an hour of uh, an instructor on there that, that works with a bunch of tour players on short game, right? And he's going to talk about some different things. And then we make, we're going to go into showing some of the drills and how our team practices and what we do. How do we track our practice, right? How do we practice with a purpose? How do we, like Kendall was talking about, how do we create a process, right? What does our routine look like and why? And so it's going to be, you know, all of those with, with a bunch of, you know, with, with, with a lot of time for, for people to ask questions afterwards. Question. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming that seven is still good, Camden and Jazz and everybody can still participate in that as well. My four-year-old probably won't, but I know Jazz definitely wants to. No, 100%. Yes, and, and we're going to be talking about because, you know, I'm sure it, golf is golf. And so it's going to be how he prepares at that age. I, I wish I had a little more structure at that age. You know, I just kind of just 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 winged it at that age and, and went out and did, you know, whatever I needed to do. You can never start too early preparing for the next level, right? And so, um, no, that, that's a good question. Four years old, he ain't going to be trying to listen to me all day. No, he's going to tell you about his big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you know, but with that being said, I mean, yeah, definitely. So there, there is no, um, there's going to be no age limit. And, and the good thing, too, is it's going to be um, tailored to, to everyone because golf is golf, right? I mean, there's, there's 40-year-olds that can't hit it out of their shadow, and there's four-year-olds that probably stripe it like your kid, right? So it's, it's a, uh, you know, I think there's um, – I, I, like I said, I'm tickled pink just watching all the kids that that I've seen in, in these videos and stuff, and watching your guys' move and and that little club drop or the glove drop uh, little video you guys put together and stuff. Guys, I ain't gonna lie, I had a tear in my eye when I watched that. Wow, you know, because it's there wasn't when I was growing up, there wasn't that many. It was, you know, me, Tiger. So that means it was just me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Man. Crazy. Hey, um, Andy, I, I just want to tell you real quick, we got John on a, uh, on a, on a, on a schedule and he got so upset that he went, he went to practice today. And I want to say he's, he's hitting his six iron, like 170, 180. He's just, I said, John, how you hit the ball so far? I just, I'm just upset that, that, that y'all got me on the schedule. <laughs> you don't like it. Yeah. No, it, it's awesome, man. He, he's working, he's working hard. And I love seeing that the, the, the 180 degree move I mean I looked at video of the first lesson and look at his swing now he's a different cat 
You don't understand. Yeah, Andy, he he used to take that club like all the way past parallel. I was like, he was like, I can't stop it. I'm too flexible. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then I told him when, when we first worked, I said, you can kill all that noise. You can tell me whatever. You We're going to get that club in the right spot. That's right. That's so. right. All right, Coach, appreciate you, man, um, on your Thanks, segment. guys. Um, so we're going to get our next uh, next segment going, guys. We got a special guest uh, on tonight, a uh, gentleman by the name of Christian Heavens. Uh, he's coming. He's, he's, he's uh, originally hometown of East St. Louis, Illinois, not the flamboyant type area. I think I, I was reading up on Christian's bio, and he was just thankful that the game of golf got him out of his situation. Um, he, I think he went to uh, Georgetown uh, College. Um, you know, I was looking up all his scoring averages and what he won, and I think Christian's scoring average was like 69.8. So, I mean, I'm talking about he, he's a, he dude is a baller. And so um, I wanted Christian to come on just to, just real quick and just kind of let, let him tell us, tell us about himself. Um, I got a couple questions for him, and then we'll open it up at the end for some Q&A. So, Christian, what's up, bro? All right, y'all hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good, man. Thanks for having me. I don't know if I'm a special guest and uh, y'all can just call me a little cousin or something from around the way. It's this family thing. And, uh, I'm honored that y'all decided to put me on. Uh, me, I know Andy, like you said, since I was little out there playing with my, my grandfather and all his fellas, so it's good. I mean, just seeing his passion for the game remain the same, and he's always been the same guy, willing to share all the information he has and pass it along and pass it down. I'm jealous that he's been – I got to get back on the Facebook a little bit more, man. I don't know where he's seeing all these good swings. That I got to check out kids out, see these good swings he's been talking about. Uh, that's exciting to hear about, man, for sure. It's good to see everybody on here for sure. Well, hey, Christian, good to have you on. So just a couple questions that uh, came in for my, for my junior golf parents. Uh, one of the questions was, you know, how did you get started in the game of golf? Yeah, so, man, I was uh, – I came, like, right before the Tiger Woods era really blew off. So, I started playing golf when I was, like, one, two years old. I was always around my – yeah, early. I was always around my grandfather uh, who really helped bring me up. And, I mean, I just was out on the golf course with him and all his buddies playing golf um, in diapers. They out there gambling. And this is the group of guys that – the generation of golfers that came from – those guys that used to caddy to play golf, they used to build sticks and make their own golf clubs and used to have to sneak out on the golf course to play. Um, and that's really where my DNA and I got rooted in the game of golf. My personality, my my competitiveness came from. And then not too long after that, like six, uh, about seven, eight years after that, Tiger came along. And, and that's where he really became a big influence in my life as well as the whole golf world. So um, it, I was a mixture. I was right in between the two generations of being that getting in from Tiger and also being influenced by those old school guys that it's pretty much a big part of our history in the game of golf. Great, 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 Christian. And Christian, what would you say uh, when you when you think about how you came up in golf, what would you say was that little thing that gave you that edge to become a great golfer? You know, if you could recommend anything you know, as far as, you know, junior golfers coming up, what was what was that thing that gave you that edge to go to that next level? Yeah, man, I um, I think the thing that gave me the edge was just perseverance, man, and just dealing with failure well. Um, my thing was always, like, two steps forward, one step back, and I was able to handle those one steps back with a grain of salt and understand it for what it was. 
and use it as a learning opportunity, not so much to really beat myself down or say that I didn't have a chance. Like I always kept, I always just had in my mind that I was better than what I was doing and I, I had room to get better. I was able to be a better player um, and I just had to keep working like this to pass through. So I always kept that positive mindset and I, I was just always able to grind through any type of setbacks, um, obstacles I've had in my way. Because uh, you're definitely going to have that in golf. Like, you're going to lose a lot in golf, right? Like, Tiger at his peak, he, I think he won – Tiger won just under – maybe just around 25% of his tournaments back in, you know, at some point. And that's like – I mean, if you do that in basketball, you're not making the playoffs or nothing. You you win in a quarter of your games, you're struggling. So um, – but in golf, that's all-time great. So, I mean, it's you lose a lot more in golf than you do with winning. And I just had to learn to accept that and also reprogram and continue to just learn and just get better. So uh, that's just something I've always kept was that positive mindset, seeing ob obstacles and, you know, failures for what they were and just learning from them. Great. That's awesome. That's awesome, Christian. And Christian, what, what are some of the things that you do to work on your mental game? Um, you know, as you go from tournament to tournament, uh, city to city, what, what are some of the things that you do to work on your mental game? Yeah. So, well, I really had to do, because like I said, I learned from the older group of guys, and they're, they, <laughs> I'd say their mental game wasn't the best. Like, they'll be out there um, playing fearful golf, and just it wasn't the best, I guess you could say. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but it's kind of like the late, great Nipsey Hussle said, you know, he, he had to work on reprogramming his mind. Like, we got to work on reprogramming our mind. And I had to do that. Uh, I started doing that in my freshman year in college started really learning more about the mental game of golf and like I was never a good I was a good reader I just never liked reading books and things like that when I was little I couldn't stand it and it's crazy because now that I've finished school and uh become an adult like I love reading now and I and my first first year in college I started just diving into these mental books um even maybe a little bit before that when I really started breaking 70 and shooting in the uh, like mid 60s and stuff playing well I dove into like all the Bob Rotella books I recommend you all read those um golf's not a game of perfect golf's a game of confidence putting out of your mind Leah and um I forgot the name P Penn Nelson or something like that they wrote a book called Vision 54 that's a great book um and then along with those books you know you got to really read those things and, and take your time you're not going to read those in in a week and get it like read a chapter practice what they talk about and really be disciplined to what they're talking about um, for a good week during practice and really just implement that into your game. And that's something I had to work on. I had to really work on not being so negative on the course, you know, on golf, you're your own coach. So you got to really work on that self-talk. You got to keep, keep yourself positive, man. And um, that's just something I really had to work on and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like I had to get to a point where I had to accept that, look, nerves is a part of the golf game of golf. Um, you just got <laughs> that's I mean that the highest players in the game they're they're nervous out there um, and they just find ways to deal with it and manage it well and I had and through trial and error as far as you know like the two steps forward one step back and deal with failure but tr through trial and error I learned how to really deal with um, the feelings that people get in competitive golf that's good that's good Christian appreciate you sharing those books with us too man we're gonna have to take, uh, read get some of those books um, yeah, that's really good. And I, th I recommend both uh, the parents and the, the student and the, the kid read that. So the parents be on the same page. Um, 
a lot of times, like when I used to grow up, my, my me and my grandfather, we used to get into it on the golf course, but in a loving way, right? But you know, I'd it'd be water right or something. I'd do something like a stupid kid and hit it right, and he's just like, "Why would you hit it right? All that room over there to the left." And like, he just I learned like fearful golf. Like, all right, there's water right. All right, I'm about to hit this so far left, just so I'm not in the water and I, and I don't have to hear his mouth. And then I <laughs> get out of bounds right and left, and I don't know what to do. So I had to really reprogram my mind in the way that I was thinking with that. Um, but that, that's pretty much it for, the, for sure. Good. Next question. Next question, Kristen, is how do you, what's your practice routine? How do you prepare for a, a, a tournament coming up? Yeah. So preparing for tournament, you know, like Andy said too, you know, the preparing and practice, I mean, for competition, that happens way before the com the competition starts. Um, I use the preparation just to build confidence. I'm doing everything I can to build confidence as I get up to the tournament, right? So I'm seeing the course and, you know, I talked about, actually I talked to a kid today about it. He asked me about how do you fight negative thoughts on the golf course? Um, and sometimes they're not bad. It's not bad to have negative thoughts. A lot of times it's not. Um, but you just have to get that early on and use that to kind of channel it to a positive thought. So when I'm on the course, it's all right if I see water left, okay? It's like, all right, so I don't want to go there. Now, what do I want to do? And I want to, and that's how I build my game plan, all right? So this is a trouble spot. This is short-sighted. You don't want to be there. So for this hole, this is where I want to be. This is the shot that I'm going to take. Um, and during practice rounds, you know, when I'm finding those spots, those landing areas that I want to hit and play towards in different conditions. Um, I hit several shots. We, a lot of pros, we don't really hit a lot of shots into the green and off the tee. Um, but when we're practicing, you'll see us hit five, six, up to ten shots around the green in different spots here and there. Um, and that's working on the plan B. That's a big part of the confidence as well. Like, if I'm working on different spots, chipping, and my chipping's good, my putting's solid, I do a lot of chipping and putting work um, as I prepare for a tournament. The closer I get, the more I'm working on 10-footers, my speed with putting and chipping. Um, and that gives me more confidence. Like, I don't feel that nerves or the fear or anxiety hitting iron shots and putting extra pressure saying, I got to hit this on the green because my short game's just off right now. You know, you can't put too much pressure on that. So knowing that, look, I can make a free swing if I get around the green. I might chip in, but I'm gonna definitely make a par. Um, that's all part of building that confidence going into tournament play, for sure. So, and you got to know too. After it takes time, but I figured this out as after a while. There's different types of players and practicers, right? So some players are they just like to play, right? They, Dustin Johnson, they get out there and they just like to go out there and play. Um, then you got your VJ Sings that like to hit balls. Um, you got to find out which player you are. And for me, I was actually a practicer. I got more confidence from sitting up there, hitting shots over and over again, practicing the shots. And I, when I was in the tournament, I was able to say, all right, you hit this shot thousands of times before. It's the same thing. You do drills, like Andy was talking about, to build, to put yourself in the same pressure situation. So we do a lot of drills inside 12 feet. Where whether it's hit 50 putts in, from three feet in a row or um, the ladder drill or you do kind of like, it's hard to explain, but just different drills where you got to hit certain putts. And then as you get through further along the drill, those putts matter. 
right? You start actually feeling the same nerves that you do on the golf course, or not nerves, but anxiety and feelings and energy. And you practice under those conditions, which is really good. Um, doing up and down drills where, keeping it simple, just say you got to get nine, eight out of 10 up and down um, from around different parts of the green, and you're not leaving here until you <laughs> until you do that. And you stick with that. I mean, you're out and you find yourself out there for an hour, you're getting tired. Um, you build that discipline to just stay out there and finish it. You're going to, that's practicing under pressure and under tournament conditions. Um, even on the golf, even on driving range, you know, set yourself out there a fairway in between two targets, two trees, two um, flag sticks out there, something. And just say, I'm going to hit uh, 10 out of 14 drives in between that spot. I'm not leaving until I do. Um, you get to the end where you're on ball 13 and you need to hit that last one in the fairway to, to call it a day. Um, that, that gives you the same type of pressure in situations that you're on the golf course. And then when you're on the golf course, you're just like, man, I do, I do this all the time. This is something I do. Like more than likely I'm going to pull this shot off. So practice and preparation is just all about building confidence, uh, putting yourself in situations that you're familiar with and been in plenty of times before. And, um, that you can also recollect kind of what you've been doing and preparing for that, that moment. Hey, Christian, that's good, man. And uh, Christian, I see you went to uh, Bethune-Cookman, right? No, 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 I went to Georgetown. You went to Georgetown, that's right, that's right. You went to right, right, right. So uh, you... go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, so in Georgetown, it was an NAIA school. Um, I was part of the first T program, okay. and they ended up giving me a full scholarship there. So I, I took the money and I'm, I'm actually very thankful that I had the opportunity to come out of school, play golf in school, come out without any debt or anything like that. Um, and, you know, with NAIA schools and other schools outside of D1, like the competition at the top is just as good as a lot of the competition in the D1 schools. It's maybe not as deep, like our four or five guys aren't as good as the four or five guys in D1 schools. But our top players, I mean, a couple of them are on the PGA Tour, and we, they were going low. They had really good battles. And, you know, the thing that I took from that, and I'm glad that I went to that school, is I learned how to compete. Like, I got in competition early. Like, maybe my scores wasn't 66, 65s or really low, like some of the big D1 schools were. But I was always, like, getting in the, in the heat of competition. So I was always in the final group or the cup bat, like last couple groups. And we're playing to win, coming down the stretch, you know, playing, come down the stretch with a chance to win. And winning breeds winning. Like that confidence breeds more confidence and winning breeds winning. So what I found when I turned pro was that I play in a two-day event on the Florida Pro Tour and I'll get hot. I'll shoot like a 64 or 66 on the first day and I'm in the, the final group. And I found that I was actually more com comfortable in that situation than the D1 kid that was always scrapping, um, shooting 70 and not really being in the hunt because he's just never been in that situation before. And I, even though, like, I never was there shooting the low scores early on in my college career, I kept getting better and kept being in that situation. And that translated to me having success in competition in the final group or in the, in the hunt, you know, in professional events. So uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, I had an opportunity after my – Junior year, I was All-American, NAIA uh, All-American. Finished, like, top three in the National Minority Collegiate Championship a couple years, too. And I had a chance to transfer to a D1 school 
Um, sometimes I wish I kind of wonder what would have happened if I would have done that. You know, playing against good competition, I think that always that would have helped me. Um, I mean, I would have relished some of that situation because I don't like losing. Like I'm not going to be at the bottom for too much too long. Um, so I kind of wonder what would have happened if I would have went to a D1 school, but. For that case of me just getting in the hunt and being used to winning and in the competition, uh, I'm grateful for where I went for sure. So, did you did you have more fun as an amateur or a pro? Which one was fun? Making money's fun, man. Making money's fun. Uh, <laughs> and then you know, recently, I've I went through a little injury uh, with my back. And uh, that's what we were talking about, too. When we, we, we'll, I'm going to take a little step back. But when we were talking about swinging um, with the speed sticks, with the right side and left side, that's very important. I need to get back to that. That's very important because what I found was I struggled with back injury the recent years. And what I found for learned was for me constantly, and I, like I said, I'm a practicer, I'm swinging so much one way, one way, one side of my back got was so much stronger than my other side that it actually pulled my spine towards the strong side so for you all early on it's really important to to practice swings left-handed um so or the opposite way so you hit a couple shots right-handed then maybe take a swing left-handed or something just to build that balance with the muscles in the back uh that really helps for sure um yeah, I forgot the dog on question that I went off oh, on did a you have, tangent. Did you have, you, you answered that. You, I think you, you said you said you liked the money more as a pro. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so with that going, like, I thought I was almost done playing professionally for after when my back started hurting. Right. And just playing with the buddies, that's just it's just not the same. It just wasn't <laughs> as fun. Right. Um, I, I just really enjoyed it. The competition, playing against some of the best players around, traveling, seeing new courses. Um, no, that professional game, it's, it's a different beast, uh, feeling that pressure. It, it's fun. I don't see myself enjoying just playing for, <laughs> for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that happening. No Bobby Jones, huh? <laughs> no, that ain't me. That would not be me. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chris, final question and we'll open it up for some Q and A. Um, who, who, who's, who's some of your, some of your favorite, uh, touring pro, uh, touring pros on, on the professional tour right now? You have got any favorites? Yeah, I'm going to go outside of the obvious guys. Well, one of them be obvious, but so outside of like Tiger and those guys, I'm really close. I've, I've got a lot of help from Joseph Bramlett. Um, Joseph has always been pretty much like Andy, for real. Like since we were young, I played with Joseph at the Bill, Bill Dickey Invitational. And that tournament there, I'm not sure where they are stand right now, but that tournament there, that was my first experience to seeing good black golfers around the country. Um, my first round, I played with Joseph, and everybody was talking about him because he played in the U.S. Open a little bit like a year before that at 13 or 14. And that boy had shot the prettiest 65 I ever seen in my life. That was all I see. He would hit these high little two-yard cuts all day. I still remember it now. And ever since then, like – Joe's always been there willing to help, um, give me advice. I played in, what was the tournament? It may have been a U.S. US amateur quality. Maybe the U.S. amateur. Well, yeah, the U.S. amateur we played at, um, what is it, Chambers Bay. 
Chambers Bay, and I was with him and his boys from St Stanford, and he was there walking me along the way, just giving me all the advice that I get, um, that I needed, really. Um, I played in the tournament as a junior golfer that he played in. I asked him about it. He's like, all right, man, I'll get back with you. This fool, this man wrote a whole email, whole by whole um, description of every shot, where to be for eight, all 18 holes on there. And um, I mean, he's just been that type of guy, like always open to, to help out and just give his time. So Joe um, Varner, I've, I've known Varner since the Bill Dickey. Um, he's always been a little trash talker and a little, little confident guy out there going low. Um, and But we talk a lot. Like I've stayed at his place a lot. I've caddy for him in, some, in a pro-am before. We, we played a lot of golf together. Uh, we're in a group where we talk every day. And just listening to him and his mindset with the game of golf, like talking about me needing to reprogram my mindset at an early age, I mean, he's got it. Him mentally, like his confidence is high. He's just the most positive person on the golf course. Um, that's a good, good – um, one of my friends I always just uh, got a root for. And then the next one is a guy named Lonto Griffin. Uh, he just okay. won – yeah, he just won the Houston Open not too long ago. Uh, I think he's eighth on the FedEx Cup list. But me and Lonto was actually roommates for two and a half years in, in Orlando. We stayed right off this course, off hole number four at this course called Orange Tree. And we lived together and we practiced together and um, and just had a lot of talks about the game of golf. So we've, I've seen him develop and, and grow. I mean, he's always been a really good player. Um, him along with Joseph, like those two people I've seen, I was like, man, these are, they're, they're two of the players for real. But um, I root for them for sure. I enjoy watching them do well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I know Lanto from uh... – playing in a couple of the tournaments because my name is Rolando and my nickname I used to have my license tag was Lando and oh right I see Lanto yeah so yeah. I kind of rooted for Lanto a little bit so we yeah Lanto's doing good he's uh in in TPC Sawgrass and he's getting real close with VJ. VJ's kind of taking him under his wing and wow. me and Lanto are working on some things as well um coming up in the future so yeah okay. he's he's a good guy that's good that's good all right, so let's open it up for some Q&A real quick. We'll get a couple questions from our group uh, real quick, Christian. Uh, any questions for Christian, guys? I got one. So what up? What up, what up, Cody? Um, what, one word that I heard you say at least a dozen times was confidence. And, and it seems like everything you kept going, talking about goes back in the confidence. And I don't know if you can explain to everybody, you know, exactly what, what does that mean? How do you build confidence and why are you always looking to build confidence? Yeah. So, you know, the way I built confidence for sure was just, you get it from practice. I, I get it from practice and preparation. Uh, Jack Nicholas talked about it all the time. He was the most confident because he knew that he prepared more so than all the other guys. Um, so when you're practicing, you're, you're putting yourself in situations that you're going to see yourself on the course. And when you get in those situations, you're, you're not afraid. Like, you're like, I got that shot. Like, we're good. I, even if I'm thinking negative, like, nothing can get in my way from this shot happening for the most part. Um, and, and that's just really important walking down the course. Like, you see Roy down the fairway. He just hit his tee shot. He's bouncing up and down. Like, even the walk has confidence. Um, and just that's it's all about just seeing what you want to happen. You're not afraid of what's um, 
of bad shots happening, right? You're just focusing. And it's not going to be 100%, right? You just can't fake your way to hitting great shots. But the more you think that way, the more likely it's going to happen. Uh, how did you I talked get, about if, – If you were playing poor, how did you get confident? From different bags, right, from different parts. So one part of it was I got it from re- reaching back and just thinking about, all right, it's, it's golf, right? It, it, you, it can turn right away. Just stay positive. You, you know that you got enough game where you can come back and birdie the next couple holes. Um, you'll see that with, like, Justin Thomas or something. Like, he doesn't get too crazy upset. Like, he maybe kicks himself in the butt or something, but he's not lacking confidence after bogeying three of the first five holes because he knows at any time that he can birdie the next five in a row. That's, he's done that before. Um, but that is, it is a challenge. I mean, I thought that early on in my career, like getting down on myself right, right, right away. Right. Um, and being my own worst enemy out there. But what you got to do is really when I find myself getting down on myself and losing that confidence, I'm thinking about score. And that's something I had to get away. Like, all right, all right you hit a couple of bad shots. Now let's hit this fairway. Uh, stay in this moment, try to hit this fairway. And then take it one shot at a time, which is very cliche. But you do that, and you're like, all right, I can do this. And you just keep it going. Um, but one thing, too, in the preparation part, I had to learn this in college very as well. I worked really hard on practicing a go-to shot um, by plan B. So if I'm nervous, if I'm not lacking confidence or feeling anxiety, I had to develop this shot where I knew that it would go in, be in play. Maybe not even in play so much, but I just knew where it was going. So I developed a low, low cut under pressure. I tee the ball real low, hit this little low cut, um, and I knew this was going to be in play or I knew it wasn't going to go left. Uh, one thing Andy, he probably doesn't remember this, but he talked to me about this a long time ago. But he talked about how, in golf, you can play with tendencies. You can't play with misses. So I And I knew that I would develop this tendency where if I hit this shot, the tendency is for maybe it's to stay straight or fall off to the right. But I could swing with a lot more confidence knowing that if I aim down the left side of the fairway, it's not going left at all. Um, and then I developed a shot as well, like a little knockdown shot for when things get crazy and get offline. So you all got to develop those kind of go-to shots every now and then. Um, and you get that from practicing too. Like you do those drills where you got to hit the green up from or hit inside a certain area on the range, and you're just out there missing it, missing it. You're like, all right, I need to hit a little punch or knockdown and make sure I just get this out of the way. Or I'm gonna be out here all night. Um, so finding ways to get it done through practice works for me. Thanks, Christian. That was a great answer, man. Awesome. Next question, guys. Hey, I have a question, a follow-up question. You guys hear me okay, right? Yes. Oh, what's up, Jamie? Hey, how you doing? All right. Um, I ain't offering Jamie no advice on no golf course. <laughs> what? I, listen, okay. Um, but no, I was going to say, I want to I follow up with that question because I know some people on the call may have younger, junior, you know, young juniors that, you know, they're not mentally developed enough to kind of have the mentality that you just described. So can you think back? So when you were a kid, like, what did you think of that motivated you? Because I can tell you right now, my coach would always say, I'm going to buy you ice cream if you make this putt. And sometimes that was the thought that came to my mind when I had a, a birdie putt or a par putt, or even it could be a double bogey putt. But the whole point is it was a pressure 
shot that I had to make. It kind of eased my mind so that I could make the make that shot. So can you think back to your younger days when you before you got to the big leagues, maybe ways that you thought of to help you gain that confidence? Yeah. Now I'll say this too. It wasn't even for my younger days. I still use this today. Um, I had to get outside of myself and be, and I would pretend to be another player. Like, like I mentioned Rory walking down the fairway. If I'm struggling with confidence, it sounds stupid, but I'm walking down. I start getting a little feel like Rory. I start bouncing down the fairways. Um, I was struggling with the yips not too long ago, not too long ago, but I, like five years ago with my driver, I come to find out I had a crappy driver. But the way that I got out of it was at that time, Jason Day was just striping his driver. Like he was the best driver in the world. And in my mind, when I got up to hit that tee shot, I'm Jason Day. Like I just had to get out of my way. And I just built that confidence. I just felt like I was Jason Day getting ready to make a putt, you know, until I built that confidence and had success by making putts and built that resume of doing this and that. I put myself into a Tiger Woods mindset or feel. Uh, so even as a kid, I, I did that. Like a lot of us were club twirling and stuff like that. We, we developed, we picked up habits that we've seen from the greats. And until I built up a resume and had, you know, the, the memory bank of all those great shots, I relied on like the successful people's um, actions and what I've seen happen um, and try to just imitate that. Um, and that actually really helped me out a lot. Even today, like I said, just you got to get it from somewhere. I mean, confidence, it, it, it's kind of a, like which one comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? It's like, how do you get confidence if you never hit a good shot? But how do you get it? I mean, it's got tough to get good shots or play good without confidence. So you just got to get it from somewhere. And I just found anywhere. I mean, I just watched so much golf that I just built it from them. I, I became these other players and personas until I figured it out myself and was able to find out that I can just do it on my own. Right. Thanks. That's good. Chris. Yeah. I, th I think that's good for kids because definitely kids, like they're such visual learners and you can literally, it's scientific too. I mean, you can just act your way into a feeling and an emotion. So like they say, if you're feeling sad, you know, people who are feeling sad, they'll put like a pencil in between their teeth and that gets their jaws and type kind of that smiling physical fight I guess you can say and it actually changes their emotion to feeling better so you can actually act your way into an emotion um so there's just that acting I mean that really got me. all right next question Sean go ahead Sean press mute Sean sorry about that hey Christian um, I'm actually from Springfield, Illinois. Uh, I got family in, in East St. Louis. A lot of people on this Zoom don't know about Snoop sandwiches. Oh, um, man. <laughs> I've been trying to stay away from that swine. I know. Too. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little 10-year-old that, that plays with a couple – with the kids that are that are a couple years older than him, and they're, they're very good. One finished fourth at Worlds last year, um, and he's always trying to find that extra distance. So what he, what he does is he wants to hit draws. And now – we're now we're kind of stuck in between the straight and the draw sometimes, you know, um, any, he's on the zoom too. any advice for him on, you know, just being patient and, and, and playing his game and, and waiting for his time to come. Right, man, 10 years old. You, uh, trust me, you're going to be hitting it plenty of far um, soon. Um, don't really rush it. Like if you want to work out. I, I mean, I'll do push-ups and body squats if I were him or something or like jump squats. 
that could help um, in a couple of years, like we talked about with the speed sticks. But man, don't you don't get caught up into them um, right now. And you know, actually, I found I was talking about this not too long ago. Like a lot of the best players that played well against Tiger, that was in the final group with him in the majors, were guys like Bob May, Chris DeMarco, uh, Rocco Mediate, uh, Y.E. Yang, people that were so so far from hitting it as far as him that they were forced to play their own game um, and not try to keep up with him. Like they would just play their own game. So you just got to focus on playing his own game. Um, you get those guys that play with Tiger that think they can hit it for a field or uh, who's back then, Ernie and those guys, like they would, would try to keep up with Tiger and play his game because they were so close to him that they thought that they can get with him, whatever, um, that they were just, they would just beat themselves. But the guys that really, Gave Tiger the longest run, went into playoffs with him in the majors, and even why he ain't beat him. They weren't even close that they didn't have that thought. That, but they were so they were freed up to just play their own game. Um, and that's hard for him that, that your son, I'm pretty sure, but he's playing with older guys. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll get that distance, man. You just can't even worry about that. Just find your way to beat him, get your short game right, get those greens, keep it in play. Um, he'll be all right. Don't rush it right now. Hey, Christian, I think we had a question for him from Kendall. Yes, I have a question. What would you say is the biggest thing for building consistency, either um, like on multiple day tournaments or say like you'll practice certain shots and then you'll get out to the course and it's like everything you were just working on like the week before basically kind of just like goes out the window. What would you say is the biggest thing for building consistency, especially like if you know you've been working on the shot you've been practicing and you get to tournaments like you haven't picked up a golf club in like two months. <laughs> yeah. I think that goes back to what Andy was talking about as well. And I brought, alluded to it, um, brought it up as well a couple of times. You got to watch how you're practicing then. Because if you're doing that, then you're not practicing like you would play. So you're not going through your routines. You're not hitting um, different shots here and there. Like you're not hitting the one in the driver, then the wedge when you're on the range. You're not practicing, you're getting up and down um, under pressure. So you gotta, when you practice, you gotta find ways to play games with yourself to simulate playing on the golf course. Um, so I, I think that's the real root of that issue there. Um, you're just out there practicing, you're hitting balls, there's no pressure, you're hitting the ball, raking it, or nobody's really watching you. Um, that's, that, I think that's the cause of that there. And also another thing that's important too is I had to learn this when I was on the, I was on the big break as well. Um, and I played in front of a lot of people as well. And I didn't really play well in the big break, but I learned this afterwards that you have to really not care about messing up or looking stupid on the golf course. Like, I think, I feel like when you get on the golf course, you're worried about a bad score, people seeing your score. Um, you never played with these playing competitors before. So you're really, the nerves are amped up more on the golf course on that first tee shot. And you just got to really let that go, to be honest. Like one of my best tournaments, I finished, um, it was a good tournament. It wasn't my best tournament, but I finished second in the Illinois Open a few years ago. And right before that, I played in this tournament called the Metropolitan Amateur. And that tournament, the year before that, I'll say that this was me coming back to kind of get a redemption round. But I shot like, 29 on the back nine of the second round and got to jump myself into the like second place in the final group with me and this other guy who's a really good player. Um, 
and it was for my first term. It's about for like twenty five thousand, and this was huge for me. And there were just people walk watching all over the place, and I shot eighty one. I ruined it. <laughs> right? I, was, I didn't handle it. I was nervous. I, I just didn't. And nerve. And let me say this: I've mentioned nervousness a couple of times. Nerves doesn't equate to bad shots. I just didn't handle it well. I didn't know how to manage it. Like nerves are actually pretty good. The guy that won, I'm sure he's feeling the same nerves as me. But so the next year I came back and I really, really wanted to win that tournament. And, and I was just, I ended up missing the cut. I put too much pressure on myself. I was worried about people seeing me from last year and all this other outside stuff that it really doesn't matter. And I talked to my coach about it and he was like, Honestly, Christian, you just care too much. Like, you you try too much. You care about what other people are thinking. You care about the results of the shot. Like, go out there and play carefree. And I went out to the Illinois Open. And I don't recommend this all the time, but it just worked out well this week. But it's it's a tight course. It was it was a good course. Um, and I just didn't care if I hit it out of bounds or not. I just said, I'm just going for it. I'm hitting driver all day. I'm just hit, be confident, pick my target. And But the main point of it was I just didn't fear hitting a bad shot um and that's the big difference between practice and playing right like you hit a bad shot and just practicing breaking up balls like you hit a bad shot cool just drag another ball up figure out what you did and try to just keep working on the same drill that you're doing but on the golf course like you you fear you have feelings where just if we're being real like obviously you want to get to this point where you don't fear have that fear but you fear hitting bad shots um, and you just got to be able to handle that and get over that for sure. So you got to just practice, practice those drills, you know, get a fairway in a, in a, on the driving range and make yourself hit eight out of 10 in the middle of that target, seven out of 10 in the middle of those, that little fairway that you made for yourself. And I, I promise you, you're going to, if you're out there for like 30 minutes hitting a lot of shots and you get to that 10th ball and you hit six fairways and you got to get this one and get it out the way, you're going to feel those nerves um, and you're going to feel that same energy that you'll feel on the golf course. And I just want to add this to you all do, do some research on it. Um, but one thing that really helped me as a professional golfer is, and Tom Watson mentioned this before, he didn't learn how to win championships until he learned how to breathe. Um, I worked really hard the last three, four years on developing my pre-shot routine and really taking deep breaths and controlling my breathing um, in competition. And I'm telling you right now, I know you all feel these nerves. We all have at an early age and it gets, it goes away. You learn how to manage it. And the big way that biggest way that I did was taking deep breaths on the golf course. Um, it, you just have to just, just watch the guys on tour before they hit a shot they're taking deep breaths um, on the match, not this week, not the last match between Tiger and all those guys, but the first one where they were mic'd up and the audio was horrible. You would hear them all breathing real hard on the mic while they were walking. You would hear Phil and Tiger take deep breaths before each shot. Um, th that helps for sure. So that was kind of a long-winded answer. I went through a lot of different points of it, but hopefully right. one of those things will work. <laughs> that, was that, hey, that was good, Christian, about the breathing. I, you know, I, I had a, I got a buddy of mine that, you know, he's a fairly good player. He probably shoots between 75, 80, 82. And one of the things that he always told me, he said, Ro, when you hit a bad, when you hit a bad shot, just on the next shot, just, just take a couple of deep breaths. And I, I, and I remember that. It's funny you said that 
Because that's yeah. what he always told me. He said, just take a couple of deep breaths before that next shot. And then, you know, you should be okay. So that was, that was, yeah, it, it's big for pre-shot. And then like Andy talks about, he talks a lot about post-shot routines. And I mean, that's huge too, because you got to learn how to accept the information, the feedback from wherever your shot is and just take a deep breath, let it go. And just like really get in the routine, whether even if you hit a good shot, right. Tiger does this little club twirl, like build that positive feedback, whatever, or, uh, something to kind of put that, image and that feeling in your memory bank but if you hit a bad shot you got to have a routine for that too like all right this is what happened blah 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 and then deep breath and walk on with it um but I, I learned that the deep breath stuff is crazy because in my route to being a successful golfer I found that studying all types of athletes and successful people helped me so I studied Kobe um, I actually read books on my neighbor he shoots darts for like the Olympics back in the day. He used to be not a dart shooter, a crossbow shooter. And I studied crossbow shooters like and snipers, like how they control and they slow their heart rate down by breathing deep. I thought that would help out a lot. So that's how I got the, the deep breath. But um, and then I looked into it for golf and I just noticed like they all do this. Tom Watson is religious about it. He talks about it a lot. Um, it's it's helpful. Good, good. All right, y'all, as we wrap up, any additional questions for uh, Christian, I got I got one more quick one, Christian. Um, yeah. What about holding a player accountable, even though they're young, um, talented? Uh, what are your thoughts on? I mean, can you be too firm or too soft, or um, you know, just just holding them accountable on the course or off? The yeah, course? It's, right. It's uh, man, it's interesting. I like me and. A guy talks about this on a group, and Andy, I, I got some of his input on it as well. And I don't have kids, so I don't know the true feeling of seeing your kid out there struggling or just not just I don't just not doing what he should be doing or she should be doing. But it, it's individual. I mean, I've just come to accept that. Like some kids can handle that. You got to know your your kid. Some kids can handle that tough uh, military type discipline or being the yelled at I guess you can say or pushed a little bit more than other kids um so I, I there's no one answer I, I mean you just gotta kind of go with the kids but I would err on the side of leniency and just kind of letting them figure it out on their own for a little bit early on um and just you just being there for a positive um support and just being there to encourage them but I mean at a certain point you got to them like I mean they, you might have to give them a little kick in the butt here and there but that's up to your discretion <laughs> so I, I yeah I can't really answer it but I, I do I think it's tough like I fought that with my grandfather as well we but it's a lot on the golf course like that's my man but like it was it was just us on the golf course <laughs> like I didn't want to watch me some tournaments which a lot of people I mean kids fight that all the time but um yeah, it, it, it's all individual. Some kids can handle it, some kids can't. So I can't give you one certain answer on and that John, one. And, John, I, I just texted you. I, I messaged you on Facebook. When you asked about, you know, him trying to draw the ball, remember yeah. 90% of the tour draws the ball and 10% win. And I, I yeah. told him 20, but 10%, even less. So, or yes, got it. I, I tell him that. And I know your thoughts on, on uh, accountability, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey and hey, but stay away from that draw. I've been fighting that draw for <laughs> for like three years. My boy Wayne Birch, he caddies for uh, Troy Merritt on tour. He say fades get you paid. Yes, yep. that's why I, I try to tell him. 
Wow. But yeah, he want that distance. But it, Re remember it, that every night. Ninety percent of the tour draw the ball and ten percent win. All right. Got it. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Any other questions for Christian, y'all, before we wrap up the uh, podcast? This has been good. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Thank good. You, Thanks for having me, for hey, sure. Thank you for being on, Christian. So yeah. um, as we as we wrap up the webinar, guys, uh, I know a lot of y'all are on mute. Uh, yeah, if you have any questions for Andy or if you have any questions for Christian, uh, you know, you, you know, we got Jamie on from Black Golf Directory. If you have any questions for any of them, you can ask at, at this time before we get ready to close out the webinar. Hey, just want to say thanks to everybody. That's good. Thank, no, thank you guys for, for having us on. All right. Thank hey, you. Hey, so what we got? We got different age groups, by the way. Are they playing? You all playing in any tournaments or competitive at all? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, anywhere from four up to probably 16 or 17. That's on the um, podcast tonight, Christian. So we got a, a big, wide range of, of young junior players. Yeah, we'll be in okay. – we're, we're going to Kansas City uh, tomorrow, and we play Friday – or Saturday, Sunday uh, down in Smithville. So a little 18-hole U.S. kids state tournament. So Nice, nice. All right. Well, I wish you all the best of luck, man. Have fun and keep pushing for sure. It's good to see you all playing in tournaments. Uh, those, like, like Andy said, just play in something, man. Play. I, like, I'm trying to get back into playing competitive now that my back's – better i'm feeling good and i just drove two and a half hours just to play in a one-day event just to get back in the competitive vibe and the juice is flowing and get it going so just man just playing them tournaments that's fun i know they're kind hey, of expensive we, now but can, can we get a schedule of yours Christian? <laughs> okay can, can uh we, maybe row or somebody put, put something out maybe we can come see you you know if you in the areas or whatnot yeah, I try to figure something out. Lee. I'll let y'all you all know. I know my next one's in two weeks in uh, the St. Louis area, the Metropolitan Open, and then I'm gonna get back. Yeah, I missed last year on the Advocates Tour, but you'll see my name on the leaderboard of the Advocates Tour soon okay. too. So yeah. just pay attention to those. All awesome. right, that's awesome. We just had a Chris. Oh, yes. one more. Hey, Chris. Yeah, what's up? Uh, Chris, social media with us. I, I missed that. What do you say? Can you share your social media information with us? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, my Instagram, I'm really mostly on Instagram. Actually, I'm not even on that as much. But my Instagram is Top Golf God, like the Top Golf building. I used to be a teacher pro out there. Um, and then just Facebook is just Christian Heavens. Top Golf God? God, G-O-D. Uh, Top Golf God. Okay. Well, Christian, hey, man, we really – go ahead, Mo. No, just saying thank you. Okay, appreciate you. All right. Well, hey, Christian, thank you so much um, for being on our podcast tonight. Andy, we want to thank you for uh, embracing us, you know, and just sharing a lot of knowledge about the game of golf and college golf, where college golf stands. Um, I think this has been a great um, podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll be doing the next podcast on July 1st, uh, same time. And the only reason we have it at 9, you all, is because a lot of, a lot of you know, kids are, you know, and, you know, with the parents being there, we're, uh, they're practicing in the afternoon during the day. So we try to make it, you know, during downtime. So um, I'm looking at having 
uh, a special guest, another special guest um, on July 1st at 9 p.m. So get ready for the next podcast. And uh, thank y'all so much for being on tonight. And y'all have a blessed night. Okay. All right. Take care. It's good what y'all doing. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. No problem, Jazz.